Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace. I am Pastor Ryan. Today's message is an important one as it ties together the message of the gospel to Jesus' mission. It's all around the central subject of the rule of Christ and the kingdom of God. Thanks for joining us today as we search the scriptures to find our calling towards an allegiance to Christ's kingdom rule, not in the distant future, but right here, right now. The illustration I was thinking of as uh, we, we look into this ten, tenth installment here to go to everyone uh, came to me as I remember my son running in the house with muddy shoes. Anyone else ever have that happen with your kids, right? Paying no attention to the new carpeting. No, just running straight in to get a popsicle. And uh, Micah had mud caked. Not, not just mud on the bottom, caked, folks, all around in the grooves and everything. And I caught him just as he was coming and said, whoa, 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 you can't come in here like this, right? Back out again. And so, you know, like a 10-year-old does, goes out and does one of these, right? And thinks he's good, comes back in again. No, no, you got to go wash this. Uh, so I had to take him all back, show him where the hose was, watch, here's how you do it, clean the whole thing off. I also discovered I had to do a little bit of inspection, too, before he could come back in. Right now, let's see. All right, let me take a look. All right, all right. And then he was allowed to, come in, allowed to come in. Three things I had to do in order to let him come into my kingdom. Because guess what? My house is my kingdom, right? It's my rules. Can't come in here with muddy shoes. Otherwise, my wife gets mad at me. And then I got to clean, <laughs> clean it up. So uh, I had him wash, right? And then he had to present. And then he was accepted. All right, wash, he had to present himself, and then he was accepted. I, I actually have some nice camp hand motions for you. Everybody ready this morning? All right, I'd like you to do this. All right, get your hands up. Wash, present, accept. All right, that, that, that's going to be a theme you're going to find as we look into uh, God's word this morning. Uh, really what we're doing is we're endeavoring to watch how God's kingdom and his rule presents for us a pattern of living. A lifestyle that needs to be followed, modeled after His will. God's design, because guess what? It's His kingdom. It's His house. And if you're going to come into it, you need to make sure that you're following after a manner of living that's acceptable with uh, what God has outlined for us. Uh, the, The reason why this fits into our series is because the message of the kingdom is one that follows right in line with why Jesus came. Uh, there's a passage here in Luke I want to draw your attention to. Luke 4, 43. He, uh, but, then, uh, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Did you see it there? It, it, good news is where we get the word gospel. Right? The, the good news is that you don't have to pay for your sins. That they have been paid for. And all that's left for you is to receive that as a free gift such that you give back to God all that you are because he now has ownership over you. It's his kingdom. It's his rule. So the good news is the message of a kingdom of God. Jesus says, I got to go, go preach this. I got to go pr- proclaim this. For that is why I was sent. Uh, Mike here, he's preaching with his hands. He's preaching with hammers. He's, he, he's, he's preaching with apparently steel beams. Right? That, that, and the word of God. He, he's carrying the message of hope, but he's also living out a life that's proclaiming. Did you catch it? There is a way of living patterned after God's 
kingdom. Jesus says, this is why I was sent. I'm hoping that you've been picking up some of the pieces as we've been going through this series. Because it wasn't very long ago that we read out of John 17. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending. Do you remember that? So Jesus is sent to proclaim uh, the good news of the kingdom of God. Guess what? I, I think maybe that we have a part of that as well. Uh, that you have a role to play in that purpose as well. Uh, there's one other passage that Teresa read for us. And it again follows in this idea of a mission. Matthew 24, 14. Uh, Jesus is here teaching about the signs of the end. Well, what's it going to look like, the disciples ask. And what will be the sign of uh, the coming of the kingdom of God? Uh, so, so Jesus lays out, and many of you are familiar with the verses that speak of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famine uh, will come on the earth. And, and it's going to be a time of persecution, uh, unmatched until now, right? Everybody familiar with that theme, right? Well, then this verse sticks right in the middle of that. Right in the middle of this falling away of people who love God. Right in the middle of this lawlessness that begins to envelop the whole world. Jesus says this. He says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Where? In the whole world. As is testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And so this is our theme this morning. We're going to look at, it's almost a part two. You can recall back to last week. It was a gospel of, does anyone remember? Gospel of, it was 4th of July. Gospel of freedom yeah we, we looked at the gospel of that was matthew was that or was that george it was the gospel of freedom and you recall that sin is slavery does everybody remember that right sin is slavery god has come through jesus christ has broken the bonds of slavery so that we are now free that's the gospel of freedom and today we're going to look at maybe a part two of that idea which is the gospel of the kingdom what we're going to discover is that all things belong to God and he rules really in two realms a physical realm and a spiritual realm do you know that everything is God's did you know that everything is God's I think it's something that becomes a little bit hard to receive in America because we're so rich in America we have so much here and many times it just becomes happenstance of having lived with all of our stuff that we think it's ours it ain't yours the land you live on was made by God well, what about my money, Pastor? Yeah, what gave you the ability to earn that money? God's the one that gave you either the mind or the hands or the feet or the resources or maybe put you in a position. All, all of that is merited back to God. What, what about my possessions? They all belong to even my favorite shoes? Yeah, your favorite shoes. My favorite chair? Yeah, your favorite chair. Well, what about what God's going to say? Let me stop you right there. It all belongs to me. I was going to say my Detroit Lions jersey. God said, now nah, you can have that. <laughs> Just kidding. All belongs to God. Right? Everything under the sun is his. And here's the reason why this is confusing. Because God has, for us in our growth, for the expansion of your faith in him. I actually, as a preacher, I have a hard time articulating this. But God has allowed there... To be an imposter sitting on the throne. Did you know that? There is an evil one walking around like he's in charge. Claiming ownership over that which belongs rightly to God. The, the devil is an imposter in this world. Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air. He thinks he's in charge, but it's not his. All this belongs to God. 
So, so the, the physical realm of God's kingdom is one where he does exercise his rule, but he's doing it in a way that's really withholding his power because there will come a day when the lamb slain and resurrected will return like a lion. That day is coming in the future, folks, right? We, we all place our hope in the return of our Lord and Savior, but he will claim all that is his. Up until that moment, he is entrusting us to be the ones that exercise his rule on this earth. For he has a second domain of rulership, which is our hearts. God rules in our hearts. He reigns in our hearts. He lives in our hearts. And because of that, everything that we think and do, all that we say, all that we find our hand doing and our mind encompassing, we do with Jesus. Because he owns us. And I, I, I'm getting a little preachy on this, but you've you got to hear me now. Either he does or he doesn't. All right? there, there's no middle ground on that. If you are a Christian and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a slave to God. Do you remember that from last week? Right? You're, you're now a slave to him. He owns you. Therefore, everything you do, you carry him with you. Or it's very possible that we can make believe and, and just go to church. We, it's very possible to do that. Or he truly doesn't have ownership over us. And rather, we'd really find that the way that our desires lead us are things that we want to continue to grasp and hold on to. This is one reason why this is going to be a difficult message this morning. But we're going to look in a passage that Paul puts in the smack dab middle of the church that was struggling. 1 Corinthians is where we're going to be. Chapter 6. <clears throat> what we're going to work towards, the, the, the end goal of this morning, is to seek to reframe how we see the gospel of the kingdom. Now, that might sound like a, a large task, and I, I hope you came ready this morning. If, um, if you're finding your minds wandering, there's still coffee in the back. Go get a cup quick, because here's the deal. We're, we're going to work through a lot of scriptures, and, and we're going to rest in 1 Corinthians 16, and we're going to find a passage in Colossians that we're going to hold on to at the same time. I'm going to have a lot of passages up here, and you guys know that just means we're going to be moving quickly through that. I might even take questions. We'll see how that goes. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Page 1777. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 11. Paul writes these words. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Um, you, 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 you heard the passage, right? I, I want to make sure I, I say right off the cuff, this is not a sermon on sexuality, all right? That's not what this message is. And where that comes in conflict with your perception of our culture, you've got you to work through God's Word. I, I would love to talk to you more about that. But that's not what this sermon's about. This sermon is about the characteristics of the kingdom rule of Christ. That's what, that's what we're looking at. 
And I don't want you to think either that I'm cherry-picking any verses here. In fact, this message, I, I went and looked, is found in every one of Paul's letters, at least that are written to churches. Every letter that Paul writes to a church contains a component of that. And just to kind of prove that to you, I have a few I wanted to show with you. Uh, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, this, this is what he says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Look at the first one. Again, this is not a, I'm, I'm not, not a sermon on sexuality. It's just right at the top of Paul's list. Because guess what? It's one that everyone faces in this world. So here you go. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, There's another one in the book of Ephesians as he writes to that church. He says, but among you, there must not be even a hint of, look at the first one. Here it is again. Oh, that's not a problem in our world, though, right? We, in America, we don't have a problem with that and sexual. Oh, no, this applies. All right, good. So we're on the right track then. All right. Must not be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because of these are improper. Look at that amazing word. These are improper. For God's, what's the adjective on the people? You're, you are holy people. So living like that, that doesn't fit. doesn't work. It's like oil and water. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, greedy person, because such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance, do you see it again? In the kingdom of Christ and of God. What, what is this idea of inheritance? Well, Paul's mentioned it a couple times now, right? We, we saw it in 1 Corinthians. Uh, what, what does inheritance mean? How does it work? Uh, I want you to know, first of all, that inheriting the kingdom of God, hear me now, doesn't come by you being good. I, I want to make sure that we don't confuse this. Pa- our pastor was saying we've got to stop doing all this stuff, and then we'll inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't work like that. God never says, hey, clean up your life, and then you can come in. That's not how it works. In fact, it's just the reverse. You you come to him with a mess, and he says, my son suffered for all of that mess. Therefore, it is forgiven. And because you are now adopted into his family, now you change how you live. You gotta make sure we get the order right on this. Um, there's a passage that uh, in Luke where Jesus is talking uh, to some Pharisees that are questioning him. Uh, now, after having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, so there it is again. Look at his answer. He said, "The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, the, the, meaning that you got to make this checkbox and, and all right, took care of that. Check, took care of that. Right, we're all set." Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is within your midst. Uh, the NIV might say, is within you. Commentators really struggle over uh, the nuance of that Greek phrase. Basically, here's what I think Jesus is, is meaning. Because he's talking to these Pharisees right here. And what did Pharisees do with Jesus? W- were they following him to learn? Were they following him because they wanted to follow the pattern of Christ? No, they were, they were always looking for, how, how can we pin this guy down? How can we get rid of this guy, right? And Jesus says, the kingdom of God's right here. It's right here. You're, you're missing it, though. It, it's not by work. It's not by effort. It's obvious. It's right here. There's another passage where uh, one of these Pharisees turned Christian. This guy's an amazing missionary. You love him. His name is Paul. 
All right. Paul in the book of Philippians uh, chapter 3. Watch how he articulates this idea of the inheritance. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh. Man, I go to church every week. I shake the pastor's hand every time. You get where I'm going with that, right? I don't need to continue. He says, if you think you have reason to put confidence in the flesh, look what he says. I have more. That's a pretty bold statement, Paul. You, you think you're better than me? Paul says, <laughs> way better than you. You have no idea. Look at this. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. If ever there was one that God was lucky to have on his team, what well, was me. That's what he's saying. In regard to the law, he's a Pharisee. He went to school. He studied. I got the degree on the wall. As for zeal, persecuting the church. I wasn't working some secondhand job. I was right in there for the glory of Jehovah God alone. As for righteousness based on the law, look at the boldness here. Paul says he was faultless. So yeah, if anybody would have earned the inheritance, who was it? Yeah, but check out what he says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. You can't miss that. It's, he didn't say the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. That's not what he said. He said the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know what that means for Paul? That means Jesus is the one that calls the shots. He's my Lord. He's my master. That's what is more surpassing than anything. It's not that he knows about Jesus. He falls under the rule, the kingdom rule of Jesus in his life. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them trash, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of now, the whole reason I took you through this was for this last word right here. All right, was for faith. The, the avenue into inheritance of the kingdom of God is the path that's been paved by the gift of God in faith. Not by works, not by effort. You don't clean up your shoes and come in. You come in because Christ made a way. There's one passage I want us to turn to. Uh, it's in Romans. So if you have your Bibles, hold your spot in 1 Corinthians. Turn to Romans 8. And I want you to see where the, this inheritance uh, is rooted, where the idea finds its, its source. Romans chapter 8, starting verse 13. 1757. Page 1757 in our pew box. Thank you. Paul says, For if you live in a According to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit, uh, if you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible, that's the word to underline right there. The Spirit, if by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. Uh, look up here for a minute. Uh, could you list some of those from some of the verses that we were just looking at? Yeah, I bet we could probably take a pen out and start writing down a good paragraph of misdeeds of the body. Paul says, by the Spirit... You put those to death. They, they don't belong, right? They're, they're done with. We're through with these. All right, continue. 
you will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There it is. What, what, what does a son get uh, when, when his parents pass away? He gets an inheritance. That's right. He, he's drawn let me phrase that. by virtue of his standing he receives that which belonged to his father by virtue of his standing. Now here's the problem. None of us are good enough to be in God's family. None of us are. So we're all kind of just out of luck. That's the way it goes. Sorry. Thanks for playing. Except, look at verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you again a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. That's awesome. If the Spirit rules in your life, that's God. Third person of the Trinity, ruling in your life. You're in His family. A son and a daughter. And by Him we cry, Abba, which is Aramaic for Daddy. It's, it's the most beautiful sound a parent can ever hear from their little son or daughter is Daddy. Or, or Mommy for the ladies. Daddy, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children... Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So here's the deal. How does the inheritance work? Inherit means to receive by virtue of adoption. Seems obvious. Except none of us make it into the family naturally. All of us get adopted. And the key here is the spirit. The spirit of God living in you, ruling in you is the key. So I got got another question for us to work through this morning. So where is Christ's rule? Again, I asked you to keep your finger in 1 Corinthians, but now we're going to turn to the book of Colossians. So if you'd go a little bit further in your New Testament, the book of Colossians, we're going to look in verse 16 through 23 of chapter 1. We're we're going to actually start there, and then we're going to come back to it. So... um, you're doing good Bible gymnastics with your fingers right now. One of them should be in 1 Corinthians 6, the other in Colossians 1. And that's where we're going to flip between. Okay, so Colossians chapter 1, uh, we're going to start in verse 16. All right, ready? For by him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things, check this out, were created by him and, okay, that's where, we just got to sit in that for a minute, all right, this, this is an amazing claim that Paul is making, all things have been created by Christ Jesus, right, even the Lions jersey, created by Christ Jesus, no amens on that, Chris? Yeah. Uh, for Christ Jesus. Everything is. I, I find it almost a little comical that Paul has to break that down, right? Because you and I might think, oh, it's obvious, all things. But he's like, no, let, let me explain it to you. Things in heaven and things on earth. Things visible, like the earth things, and heavenly things. All realms belong to him. They were created by him, and they were created, what was the other preposition? For, for him. That's right. Here's what this means. Um, and you, you can keep your finger here and turn back now to 1 Corinthians. But we're going to go back again to that passage. Here's what that means. I, got, I want to explain this very clearly. 
There is an imposter on the throne of God right now, and the lie that he's delivering to the world is that you have some options in how you can live. You have, you have some opportunities for how you can live your life. And you know what? They're all equal. That's, that's big in our world today, right? Tolerance. And who are you to judge? And my truth is my truth. And that's you. That's our like, world that we live in. That is false. How do I know that? Because all things were created by him and for him. And so here's what that means. You don't have this, this two options of I could live the way God wants me to live. Or, you know, equal option, I could live how I want to live. That's not how it works. It's Christ's rule over everything in your piddly idea here that you can live your own way. That, that's really the true circumstance. There's not two equal ways, and I think I have that articulated up here. Uh, your way and Jesus' way, they're not equal options. They're, they're not, you know, take whichever one feels right to you at the time, and, and don't, don't be judgmental about others because, you know, their truth is their truth. That is a lie that comes from the imposter because all things were made by him and for him. Things on earth and things in heaven. Things visible and things invisible. All rulers, all powers, all authorities were made by him and for him. So there's not equal opportunity here. So when it comes down to it, it's uh, when we rebel, we're actually aligning ourselves with the devil. That's what it means. When you want to live your way, you're now kind of uh, saying, I, I pledge allegiance to the imposter, is what you're doing. But when we obey, then we submit to Christ's rule in our hearts. Because remember the two realms? God rules over all, because he made it all, but he also rules within our hearts. I, I hope you're tracking with me so far on this, because I've got listed in your, uh, your sermon notes here all of the vices that Paul listed, Right? Sexual immorality, idolatry, all, all of those, right? Here, here's what I want to show you. If instead of following the way of the imposter, you and I were to follow after Christ, then sexual immorality becomes what? You, you, you're not sexually immoral. You're now sexually moral. That's his rule. I, I, I now conduct my body in a way that follows after glory to God. For how he made me. That's what it means for him to rule. How about uh, idolaters? Christ's rule, they become God worshipers. I, I don't give my worship to something else. If Christ rules, right? If, he's, if his kingdom is in my heart, I now worship God. Adulterers become faithful. Homosexual partners, which here in 1 Corinthians, you're listed both sides. They now become those who follow sexuality as God designed it. Remember in the garden, male and female he made them. The first command given to them as they're to rule of the earth is to be fruitful and multiply because the designer has a purpose. Thieves turn into givers. The greedy become generous. The drunkards become self-controlled. Verbally abusive become verbally affirming. And swindlers become trustworthy. Can you see the difference between the kingdoms? Can you see the difference? Look, we, we're born into that one, folks. That's the one we start out in. That's this world. It's following a false rulership. This is how the kingdom of God looks. 
and His rule and His reign, even though He covers it all. It's all made for Him and by Him. It's in our hearts is where He reigns and He rules. This is why the command comes from Paul. So there, there's a, if you're back in 1 Corinthians with me, there's a really, 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 really important verse. Verse 11. Look at what Paul says. After he gives this big long list, he says, And that's what some of you, and the most important word is, were. We're not like that anymore. That's not part of our lives anymore. Because we don't follow the false imposter. We now follow after the kingdom rule of Christ. So we're not like that anymore. Now how is this possible? How in, how in heaven's sake could this happen? Well, three ways. First is this. You were washed, he says. You were washed. Verse 11, uh, meaning that there has been a change. There's been a change. Uh, Paul writes this in the, in the middle voice, meaning that you kind of presented yourself even for this. You didn't do the work, but you came forward and said, I need to be cleaned. I'm telling you, my son's shoes were caked, folks, caked with mud. You know something amazing happened after he uh, ran the hose over him? It looked great. You, you guys ever watch one of those shows on like the History Channel where they take something really old and, and through artisan work and craftsmanship, they make it like it was brand new again, right? Step one in doing that process is getting the power washer out, right? Cleaning that thing off. It's not new, but it's made as though it's new. Uh, there's a passage in Titus where this idea of washing comes out. Paul says, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Um, I ordered a, a pressure washer a while back, came over to my mom's deck. And she's going to be horrified by this, but here they are. So this is the uh, before picture, right? Look what happened after I washed it. It's almost as though it's like the new boards were laid down. Incredible facelift, transformative as to what happened. That's what Paul means when he says, hey, that's what some of you were. But you're not like that anymore. You've been changed. You don't live this way any longer. You have been washed through the rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. All right, so that's the first, that's the first way it's accomplished. There's two more. You ready? Everybody with me? Say amen. Amen. All right, here we go. Let's keep, keep marching. All right, secondly, sanctified. This word means to be made holy, to be made acceptable. All right, first, remember what it was? Washed. All right, second, made holy. This happens through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a passage at the beginning of the book when Paul writes to the church. He says, to the church in Corinth, to those sanctified, that means made holy in Christ Jesus, and called to be. His holy people. Key word here is His. His. Because if you're with Christ, if you're on His team, you look like Him. You're, you're set apart now. You don't look like everybody else. There was this one time in high school, um, I played basketball and I, I forgot my jersey. <laughs> and I was like a starter, so that was kind of a big deal with my coach. <laughs> Except we had this, this one other kid on our team who is fastest guy string bean right um a lot of energy still needs some refining work kind of sat the bench most of the time uh, his name was matt and the coach said matt give flunker your jersey now i didn't deserve it i, I forgot mine I, I i had made mistakes right but here was another one who gave me his jersey so i could go on the court because if i walked onto the court and my like my my jeans what would the ref say 
uh uh-uh, pal. You, 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 you don't match. You, you, you're, you're still looking like everyone else. It's the team that has the jerseys that have been set apart. That, that's a metaphor that I want to show you because that's what Christ has done for you. He has sacrificed his own identity, offered it to you so that you put him on over all the mess that was coming to this world. That's sanctified. That's what that word means. So now when God, if he's the, if he's the ref in this metaphor... He looks at you. You don't get thrown out. You, you belong. You fit. Not by virtue of your own doing, right? Because you, I made the mistake of forgetting the jersey. But somebody else gave theirs up so that I could wear it. That's what this word means. You have been sanctified. You have been made holy. You have been made acceptable. All right, one more. Justified. And this word means to be made right and free from accusation. Romans 8.33, Paul says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. All right, you guys are doing a good job. um, I'm going to hold on to you for two more minutes. Here we go. I want to point out something that you might have missed back in 1 Corinthians. Look with me at the end of verse 11 again. You were washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. What do you see there? Did everybody see the Gloria Patri sitting right here in this verse? The Holy Trinity showing up right here. That's exactly what we read in these verses too because the washing happens by the Spirit. You've been sanctified by the blood of Christ and it is God who justifies. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all involved in this process of salvation that happens in our lives. And it happens so that we don't live like the world. We don't look like that anymore. Because you follow a different king. You follow the true ruler who sets all things right. So here are the conclusions I have for you. A Christian is no longer in rebellion to Christ's rule. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you find that there's this resistance to yielding to God, it may mean that you're just in process. That may be true. It might also mean that he has never become the ruler of your heart. One of those individuals is saved. The other one is still lost. I want to make sure that you you can't leave here today thinking, man, we got to live perfect. Otherwise, we ain't saved. You, You missed it all if you think that. All right? For all of us are in process. The difference is for the Christian, when you sin, you're not cool with it. You hear me? When you have sin in your life, you're not just, oh, that ain't nothing. No, you, you have your heart broke because you've been washed. Why are you putting mud on the sneakers again? Why are you living like that again? You've been washed clean, and your desire is to come to the foot of the cross and confess it before him. That's what a believer does. If you don't have any of that going on in your heart, please come talk to me. If you have any concern this morning of thinking, boy, I don't know, maybe I'm... Maybe I have been kind of faking it this whole time. Guess what? Today is an awesome day for you because you can have confidence and assurance of knowing that you're saved. You can. It's not by your merit. Remember that from Titus? He doesn't save you because you're good. He saves you because Christ is good. All right, so no longer in rebellion. Number two, you're not the same as you once were. Here's my hope for every one of you. You can look back in your life and you can say, yep, (laughs) I certainly had things a lot more crooked than they are now. There are still avenues where I find the truck wanting to go in the ditch, right? But praise be to God, it never wrecks itself and the Spirit brings me right on. But certainly I'm doing better down the road than I was way back there. You are not the same as what you once were. You have been washed. You have been presented as holy. And you have been 
made right with God. All right, thirdly, there it is. You, you, you're made as new. That's what it means to be washed. All right? You've been made holy. That's this presentation that Jesus does. You're, you're wearing him. And now you have been justified. You have been made right with God. My application for you on this is the same as what Paul said. Don't be deceived. Isn't that an important message today in our world today? I feel like I won't go another 30 minutes preaching on that one part, but I feel like I should because that is a word that you need to hear today. Do not be deceived by the world. Live changed. Live your life changed. As children of God, under Christ's rule. In order for us to see that, remember I said we're going back to Colossians? I'm on my last minute. Here we go. Go back to Colossians with me. Let's just finish this out because um, this brings us to the second application. So go back with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. And let me just read for you one more time what Paul says about Jesus. Starting in verse 16. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities, all things created, say it with me, by him and for him. Good. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Are are you connecting the dots with me on this? That's the misdeeds of the body that we were looking at. Paul says you were once like that. You're not anymore. Continue with me. Verse 22. But he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as, look at this, holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Did you you catch those two? Those three things again. You've been washed. You're You're free from any blemish. You're holy. You've been sanctified. And nobody can accuse you because God has justified you. So there they are again. Verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that's been proclaimed to every creature in heaven and that of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Here, here's why this is important. The reason I, I made you go back to the book of Colossians is because this isn't, this isn't a kind of take it if you feel like it message. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. If you want to inherit it, Christ has to rule you. You are his slave. And, and trust me, you're not going to be perfect at that. But when you fail, forgiveness will be right there. The difference is, are you cool with it or do you repent? That's the difference. So my challenge to you, secondly, after you need to live as God's children, is we need to change our perspective of how we view the world. When when you look at people who don't know God, do you know what the problem is? They're under the wrong management. That's the problem. They're following the wrong king. That's why they look and act and talk the way they do. They need freedom. 
And you know what? They might be. They might. They might come to church, and they might think, "Oh, look at all these squeaky clean people. I need to do one of these, right? And clean up." But that won't fix anything. Instead, you know what you and I need to do? We need to just like I had to do with my my son. You need to show them where they can become washed clean. I had to go and take them to the hose. Here it is, pal. This is where the shoes get cleaned. Church, you want to know where it is? It's right here. This is where you go to get washed clean. And we need to change our perspective. How we look at the world. Because you know what God wants? He wants more lumberjacks in heaven. He wants more mechanics in heaven. He, he, he wants more uh, businessmen and women in heaven. All, all, all these folks that live in our communities, that, that you go to the grocery store, he, he wants those people. The librarians, the, the construction workers on the road. We need construction workers in heaven. Do you know that? God wants all these people. If you could change your perspective to simply see that they're under the wrong rulership and they need to fall under the rule of Christ. That'll make us missionaries right where we are. Will you pray with me today?